Okay, the counter's going round and it's time to record the September podcast. This is a bit changed from the way that I um, wanted it to be because I wasn't able to record any footage when uh, I went away. I was going to do some location recording and sadly a few bits of kit that I should have taken I didn't and it's very windy where I went so uh, unfortunately the footage did not come out that great. There's actually a bit of video on my Instagram page that was shot on uh, the ferry heading out to Wyla where I went. Uh, a little bit more about that later. And you can hear the wind just blowing across the microphone and it was basically like that. So it's been a bit of a learning process but I'm sure I'll be able to get something sorted out at some point. So uh, as I mentioned, I went to Wyla, which for those who aren't sure where it is, it's on the west coast of Scotland. It's a little island that's very famous for producing whiskey. It has eight distilleries. Uh, there's another distillery that's going to be producing whiskey in about another 10 years. So there's actually nine distilleries at the moment, but there's more coming online over the next few years. And, uh, you know, it's a long process making whiskey. Um, to get a 10-year-old whiskey, of course, you have to have 10 years. In fact, you can't actually call um, it a Scotch whiskey until it's three years old and a day. Um, so there's certain rules and regulations about it. But there's quite a few distilleries on there that you can tour around which is a lot of fun, although I would only recommend doing one each day because doing any more than that can get hard work. Um, they are very generous with their drams when you go around. You usually get about three or four. Sometimes you even get five or more. And you certainly need someone who's a designated driver. So you need someone who can wander about and uh, not drink anything and be able to drive you about. Fortunately in my family all of us drive so there was two people who used to go off and do the tour and one person used to stay with the dog and the car which was you know quite handy and it was actually a lot of fun as well. Some of my uh, favourite moments from the trip to Isla was when I was taking Luna the dog for a walk around somewhere like Dunnyveg Castle, which was most impressive. But yeah, the the island's distilleries are very, very popular with uh, tourists. A lot of people go across there just to visit the distilleries and just have a wander about and see where the their favourite whisky is, is made. And there's all sorts of brands over there. There's Bowmore, there's Kalila, there's Brookladdy. Um... Oh, who else have we got? Bunnerharbon. Uh, so you can't remember when uh, when it comes to. But there's 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 loads of, you know, really really popular makes on there, and they all have their own unique twist on their whiskey, and also on how they show you around and what you see. It's really really interesting and certainly recommended. If you are a bit of a whiskey fan and you especially like Isla whiskies, 
So the island itself is actually quite diverse um, landscape-wise. To the north, it's sort of more agricultural. They grow a lot of barley up there for the whiskey. And then as you get further south, it sort of becomes what you... Uh, the landscape is more what you would imagine uh, a Scottish island, you know, peat, uh, moors, um, rugged coastline all of that it's a fantastically diverse island it really i think when i first arrived i would i didn't know whether i was going to be disappointed with the landscape i didn't realize it changed so much as you traveled around and it's not particularly a big island um but it just has such a, a variety about the only thing that it doesn't have is it doesn't have any mountains there's no uh, real mountains apart from the ones on Jura, which is which is close by. That on the final day ended up going across to Jura, and if you're looking for somewhere that's uh, remote, especially if you've got something like a camper van, it's absolutely ideal. You could go across on the uh, ferry. Uh, they run a little ferry from Isla to Jura. And you can stop over there and just park up somewhere for the night and then head back. Sadly, uh, I was in a car and sort of dashing around and just trying to make the most of the time before getting back to the ferry because we didn't want to be late or even worse, miss the last one because we were going to be heading back off of Isla on the first ferry out at six o'clock in the morning. Um... Well, we had to get down there for about half past six. It was actually leaving about seven o'clock, but it was a very early start, so we had to dash around Jura. But there's there's plenty. There's even a distillery on Jura as well, so there's plenty to do. And I think probably one of the surprising things that I found about visiting Isla and Jura is how busy they are, and yet you don't feel as though you're packed onto an island that's really busy. Um, and the other thing is, is that all of the motorists, as they drive by you, wave at you. It's it's really, really lovely. Um, quite weird at first, because, uh, of course, you know, you're not really used to it. But um, it, it is nice just putting your hand up and saying hello to someone driving in the opposite direction. Um, a really, really nice touch. Not everybody did it, but eventually you sort of like, it becomes almost automatic or... In my case, either I would uh, wave or the person who was in the passenger next to me, passenger seat next to me, would uh, would wave as well. So yeah, Isla, I'd certainly recommend it. Um, it's about a two-hour ferry trip from Kenna Craig, which is in Argyll. Um, that can take a bit of getting to, but it's through some beautiful Scottish countryside if you go from Glasgow uh, there are flights from Glasgow as well, so you can fly directly into Isla. It's certainly recommended. Very, very different from somewhere like Sky. Um, again, it's it's about all of these different sort of like places give different things, and you know it's just fantastic to. It's actually fantastic to actually be on an island for a couple of weeks. It it makes you appreciate how, um, yeah, how we we sort of the demands 
you know, we, we go to the shops and things and we expect them to, to have whatever it is that we want. Whereas um, most of the time on Isla, you know, everything's got to come in by, by boat. Uh, the ferries basically are the lifeline. You know, they're absolutely essential for, for getting people and items onto the island and uh, it, it's a very very much a slower pace of life uh, and it's very very relaxing there's some fantastic big beaches if you've got a dog it's absolutely ideal for them as well you can have a beach to yourself and run the dog up and down the beach and never see anybody or hardly anybody at all and uh, yeah fantastic and as for the photography, which we'll get on to now, being as this is supposed to be a photography podcast, um, well, I ended up taking 1,500 images on my cameras, which is quite a lot for me. Um, I ended up finishing off a card, which, again, I have um, dual-card uh, cameras, so usually I have more than enough space for, for whatever I'm shooting, whether it's work-related or if it's uh, to do with, you know, going and um, travelling and things like that. But I ended up shooting both of these cards uh, to the brim. And I think a lot of that was to do with the weather. The weather was absolutely fantastic. I've always been really lucky with the weather and the light when it comes to Scotland in September. Um, it is a fantastic time of year to visit Scotland if you are thinking about doing it. Probably you get better weather in September than you do in May. And in between those two months, you've got what you would call the midge season, uh, which can be horrendous depending on what the weather's like. But uh, if it's a still day, sometimes the midges can be in their millions and it's it's not very pleasant to to go through just sort of like scratching your face and your hands and sometimes they bite so i recommend probably going september it's also out of peak season or starting to go out of peak season so it, it's slightly quieter you get the great weather you don't get any midges and uh yeah it's fantastic but i do think that the weather contributed to the amount of pictures that i took it was absolutely beautiful and um what sort of pictures were i taking well there was an awful lot of landscape stuff there naturally um certainly along the along the coast uh jura was fantastic for some images a lot of it was sort of like documentary based um documenting things like you know the uh the ferry going across Dure was a classic example. Uh, a couple of shots that I wasn't expecting to take were of some runners taking part in the Island Marathon, which was going on the first Sunday that I was there. Um, it's a 26.2 mile course, and they run it early in the morning so that it doesn't disrupt uh the the traffic on the island because the roads are very very narrow they're not ideal for uh passing people running or on on bicycles or anything like that they are very very narrow you have to rely on passing places a lot of the time to get by people 
Um, so for, to minimise the, the disruption, they run it very early. It starts about 7 o'clock, something like that. Um, might even actually start earlier than that. Might be, But it starts very early anyway, in the morning, and it's usually wrapped up. Um, certainly for the winner, anyway, within a couple of hours. And uh, so that was quite a surprise. Um, some of the other images that I was rather pleased to get were of uh, Finlagen, which is where the Lord of the Isles resided. Now, Isla might be known now for its whiskies, but if you'd been uh, there in the medieval period, you would have been in, at the centre of basically an empire, the Lord of the Isles. He was responsible for an area that ran from Isla right the way up through to to, to Ross, through to the North Sea. Um, a massive area. It, sky was covered, uh, and all of this power really came through uh, Berlins, which were sort of like, at the time, modern equivalents of the Viking longboat. They were able to cover vast areas of uh, sea quickly, deliver people, deliver goods. They were pretty big for the time. And basically the, the, the motorways, the byways to get people and products and things to places was using these boats. Now the Lord of the Isles was basically uh, someone... A chief who uh, ruled the whole area. And he ruled it from somewhere called Finlagen, which is on a little island that, quite honestly, you know, you wouldn't believe was this the centre of an empire, but it was. Uh, they had a council uh, island, which was a man made island, and you'd go out there on, uh, on a plank, uh, on boarding. Um, and you'd be able to meet up with, and there would, there would, I mean, people from this area travelled far and wide. Uh, they were respected. They were basically loyal, uh, royalty. Um, so much so that, in fact, you know, eventually, the Scottish kings sort of started to take notice and probably got a bit envious and wanted things for themselves, and eventually through a few bad decisions made by various Lord of the Isles, they ended up uh, disappearing round about 1492, something like that. They ended up, 1494, something around that period, they ended up basically disappearing and Finlagen was, was left to fall to pieces. Uh, all of the titles, the Lord of the Isles title was taken by... The Scottish Kings as a royal title and the current Lord of the Isles is now Prince Charles so it sort of uh, changed a lot it became a title but before that it was a lot more than that it was um, someone uh, I suppose you could almost say uh, a, a chief's chief uh, the clan chiefs were, were very powerful people but if you can imagine that a whole lot of uh, clans came under um, the Lord of the Isles and saw the Lord of the Isles as the main 
protector and also their ruler, then uh, the person who would make decisions for them, then, uh, you know, it, it was uh, an immensely important role that, like I say, sadly died out, mainly through a lot of bad decisions. And Finn Lagen is actually a, a fantastic place to visit. I actually took some really great photos there of the ruins. Uh, it was a beautiful day there. Again, these are on the Instagram page at the moment. There is going to be a website page done very soon. I'll be talking more about that in the November... Uh, oh, sorry, the October podcast. Um, the October podcast will have some details about that. So... Um, We'll wrap up, I think, this podcast now. What are we at? It's 16 minutes, 17 minutes nearly. So, yeah, Isla, Isla, a really good place if you're a photographer. Uh, if you want to go along there and uh, go out walking and take some fantastic images. If you like drinking whiskey and if you like the, the two, then it's, it's even better. Um, like I say, I would recommend going later in the year. Sort of like late August, September time, because you don't get the crowds, and you don't get the crowds of midges either. It's um, it's not difficult to get to, and even getting there is fantastic. If you go from uh, from Glasgow, the driving through Argyll, you end up going through a lot of Campbell territory. There's uh, some fantastic places to stop off on the journey, um, and to be honest. You know, travelling through there, you just make it part of the holiday, don't you? So, yeah, hopefully another visit another time. And um, there'll be one or two more things probably coming for me later on in the year. There's a, tr a few days away in Northumberland. It'll be interesting to see where I can get uh, photography-wise on there. I'll probably talk a little bit more about the Isle of Photography and what I've been doing with it uh, in the next podcast. Um, it was partially work as well as play um, taking a lot of images for the stock to sell potentially um, I mean there's some fantastic images that I managed to, to take of that I've been wanting to take for a while so get some good shots of Highland cows and I managed to do that when I was in Isla just on one misty day along the coast there were these Highland cows and the great thing about them is they stand still they don't move um, they're very very photogenic they're very very gentle animals and um, in some ways you know they're, they're the supermodel of uh, the supermodel of the cattle world in a way because they just they're just adorable really um they just look good in front of the camera really is what i'm trying to say i suppose and uh they're also iconic as well they're iconic of scotland scotland's sort of adopted them the highland cowers in a lot of the shops you can get all sorts of things highland cow cups highland cow badges highland cow cuddly toys the whole lot and um yeah it was just a really really great place to to relax and just enjoy even just sort of like sitting in the car with a book when i was waiting for um the other couple of members of my family to finish their distillery tour it was it was all enjoyable just go down park somewhere nice with a cup of tea in a flask read your book 
and uh, just watch the world goodbye. Fantastic stuff. So the next podcast will be coming very soon. There's a little bit of news about the website, but I won't talk about it now. I'll leave that to the next podcast. And uh, thanks very much for listening, and I will be back very soon.